Hello, and welcome back to the Why You Know Doctor podcast. This is where we share stories from Asian leaders to empower and inspire the next generation. My name is Dominic, and I'm your host. So on our show, we have real uncensored conversations with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and other professionals. Through these conversations, I hope to inspire listeners like you to pursue what you really want to, while also making sure that you have the right mindset or advice to actually help you succeed along the way. So anyways, without further ado, enjoy this week's episode. I have Kenny on the show today, which I'm really, really excited about. He's the CEO and co-founder of 368. They're an agency. Also, I remember you're actually a published author as well. And I'm sure you do a bunch of other things. I saw that you were just on like the board of Delta Airlines. I have a lot of hobbies. I'll just put it like that. (laughs) I'll turn it over to you. So do you want to just tell everyone a little bit more about just what you do and what got you into uh, what you do and like all these different hobbies? Yeah. So what I do is my day job is I'm the CEO and co-founder of 368. We are a strategic marketing agency along with a UX design shop down here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We serve clients all over the United States, even the world. Um, Some clients include NASA, GE, Ted Global. Uh, We have a lot of fun helping people solve really interesting problems. In my career as well, I've co-founded, which is now a service line of 368, Big Fish Presentations. And that company helps people become better public speakers, help design really cool presentations. And that company I had until about 2015 when I merged my company with another one, to come 368. We still help presenters all over the world uh, tell amazing stories. And along with that, actually curate a conference series called Assembly Required, which highlights and recruits the best talent in Louisiana to tell their stories while recruiting down national keynote speakers uh, to help give Louisiana and its inhabitants um, a better perspective. On top of that, I'm an investor for a modern Asian restaurant called Soji down here in Baton Rouge. And I also perform stand-up comedy. So that's a little bit about uh, my background and how I kind of got through all these things. Pretty funny is that I got fired at 15 years old at PacSun, actually, because I didn't know how to talk to people. And I remember the woman fired me and said, I'm going to take out the schedule. You don't know how to greet people. You don't know how to speak to people. You don't really know how to engage with people. And I was thinking to myself, First off, F you, dude, uh, that sucks of getting fired. But two, it's like, I'm going to show you that I can do it. And then after that, it really just kept with me, you know, people really care about communication. And so throughout my life, I've always been put into positions where I have to communicate, henceforth the pet presentation background. But also, uh, funny enough, I really got the communication stuff working in kitchens growing up. And so food was always a big part of my life. I had a pretty uh, troubled childhood, made some bad decisions. And the way I kind of got out of trouble was I found myself working in a lot of professional kitchens from dishwasher to line cook. And during that time, communication was so important. So in a way, like food, you know, owning a restaurant now ties back to my love of that presentation. Whether getting fired, you know, as a young 15-year-old impressionable kid comes from that. And just marketing communications, we want to be a platform to help people tell stories and get their big ideas out there. That's always been a part of who I am. I know my why. My wife to help more people than I've ever met. I think through the things I do, I can make a lot of friends. I mean, mm-hmm. we've met, right? <laughs> Dude, I, I already have so yeah. many like questions that I'm curious about. First of all, I actually just want to get into a little bit more about like, okay, so you got fired from PacSun because you're like, weren't a very good communicator. How do you just go from like, yeah. not being a very good communicator and getting fired to like, you know, I'm curious how those like dots lined up, you know? 
after getting fired from Pakistan, what actually happened was um, I went into some student organizations where I had to go and speak. Eventually, I had to speak quite a bit. When I ran um, a student organization at my high school, actually the cooking club, which is basically like the rebel club of the school, where you had all these people that didn't belong to all the other clubs, they wanted to hear. I remember the first session we did was egg rolls, actually. I was like one of three Asian kids, basically, in our whole entire grade of 150. They're like, let's do egg rolls. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that, but you know what? I just happen to know how to do those. So I'll, I'll teach you how to do those. And you know what? We still talk about them egg rolls to this day. But no, that's where it came from. It was I always threw myself into these organizations. I had to speak. I had to teach. And what really threw me to like that next level of maybe I can help people professionally was actually in about 2011, I formed this organization at Louisiana State University. It was a focus on entrepreneurship. It was called IME. My job as the president of the organization was to recruit really big name executives in the local area to come down and talk to students about how they got successful. What happened was I joined another student organization called the SREA, Student Real Estate Association. And this is what catapulted me into the fullest of where I am today, is that in that meeting, I kid you not, they had a Fortune 500 speaker come on by. And I was told that I was the IT guy and I had to basically set up the speaker, um, his presentation when he got on stage. And I kid you not, when I got on stage and he gave me his USB drive, so when I put it in the USB drive, up comes the PowerPoint, 200 slides, man. Wow. And when I saw 200 slides, I thought, this is weird. You're going to get through this? He's like, yeah, man, no problem. Um, dude takes like two and a half hours. And during this yeah. time, I started thinking to myself, you know, throughout all these years, from like cooking, from PacSun, to even IME, the Entrepreneur Student Organization, I've learned to help people speak. If companies are being represented by guys like these executives and they can't speak, no one's going to listen to their ideas. What if we can create a company to help people deliver better presentations? And that's when the crazy idea of Big Fish Presentations was born. And I just threw myself into the art of communication. And right now I'm relearning it through stand-up comedy, which is another very interesting process because I think that's the next level of public speaking. Uh, but that's really the story, man. It's like you just see so much pain and what can be affected by really boring things and yeah, I know definitely just because like at our agency, we've worked with so many really, really big companies where we try to, a lot of times when we go on site with a lot of key stakeholders, I feel like a lot of times they're expecting the presentation to go like a certain way. And like, we try to actually do something very different. Uh, Lee, our chief marketing officer, he opened like one of the conversations with handing out like $20 bills to everyone. And he's like, yeah, I just need like five minutes of your undivided attention. He had this awesome presentation. That it's just like so uncorporate. All the CEOs at the end were like, dude, that guy was genius. <laughs> it's just so funny. We, <laughs> this guy's <know>. good. <laughs> I learned a really cool trick, man, about uh, getting attention like that. So if there's ever a meeting that like, I really want to get, and I know that person's really in demand, and I will always figure out, like, what do you think their time is worth? And usually it's between $100 to $500, about 15, 20 minutes. I always tell them, if you give me at least 15, 20 minutes of your time, I'll donate anywhere between $100 to $500 to your favorite charity. Promise oh, you, if great. it's a waste of your time. That's and great. But yeah, so that's a life pro tip I learned from a mentor a long time ago. It stuck with me. It's definitely helped me out well. So I just don't get how you like, weren't you like anxious? Because I feel like a lot of people, they're like nervous to like just dive into all the things that you did. I mean, the thing is like the worst thing that, that can happen to you is that when you die, you meet the person you could have become. And like to me, I've always thought about that since I was little was that I can totally picture myself captivating a crowd of 5,000 people. And that's the thing is like, 
I don't know. It just was so visually clear to me. And I was so determined when people couldn't see it in me, I just felt like it was my job to get close so they could see it. Yeah. Beyond just like the, the agency, um, you know, writing and then giving a lot of different speeches as well. Um, and then also you, you own like a, a restaurant. So how do you like balance that time? And how do you have time to actually do all those things? But luckily, I'm just an active investor in the restaurant. Uh, I helped out with the launching and the marketing in the beginning. But really what's cool is that when I get introduced to someone as like the CEO of 368 of marketing, you might have the same thing, a marketing agency. There's a certain perception. They think marketing, snake oil. But then all of a sudden, if you get introduced as, hey, he's an investor in Soji, the hottest restaurant in town, different perception. And I think that's why like, you have to really have a multi-diverse skill set and like, a bunch of different interests. It's good to be invested in one thing, but it's great to be invested in other things because people can recognize you for that as well. Um, so I recommend anyone uh, for side gigs, get into a hot restaurant. You, know, you might not get your money back immediately, but the thing is, People have always asked me for like reservations that have eventually become my clients. So my other business has thrived. It's kind of like, if you can think about an ecosystem of how your hobbies can make money, that's that shit out. You can really make money off of it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the restaurant business is always like a hard business. And so how do you even, or how do you determine if it's like a good opportunity? Like, did you know the leadership team before and like some of the founders of the restaurant? Yeah. I tend to like invest in people, not because of the idea, but really like how they've been successful in the past. If I can just look at someone, say like, this is how we maneuvered these challenges in the past. And I don't have the ingenuity myself to come up with that idea, or I would come up with that solution to counter that problem. And they've done that. I want to either invest with you or be on your team. Mm-hmm. All right. So I got another good one, which single events or decision do you think most affected the rest of your life? Yeah. When I was a kid, uh, I was uh, about, I think nine years old. And I had a test coming up, but I knew like the subject matter, like the back of my hand. And I remember my dad came home and he asked me, Hey, are you going to study for the test? And I told him, sure. I know I'm not studying that night at all. But the next day I took the test, (laughs) got a 99 top of the class. And I came home and showed my dad 99 top of the class. But during the time my dad said, Hey son, before I say I'm proud of you, I know you didn't study last night. I told him, I don't need to study. Yeah. And as any immigrant parent would, pops me in the face. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> what, what's going on? I'm very confused. And he told me, hard work is what's going to get you there. And talent can only take you so far. I can rely on all the talent that I have innately. But the people that are going to make it to that 1% in terms of like living a fulfilled life, they're the mm-hmm. ones putting the work into it. And that's, that moment right there, man, changed my life. Gotcha. All right. So you're born in Louisiana? Yeah, born in Baton Rouge. Okay, gotcha. And, and then would you say like, um, I mean, just whether it's growing up or just like in your career, has being Asian positively or negatively impacted you know, different aspects of your life? You know, growing up, man, uh, it was the lack of knowing that I was Asian and like I was different. And so my dad always raised me around like predominantly Caucasian communities. And the reason why he did that was he didn't want to put me in a box because especially some of the communities in Louisiana, they tend to see like there's only certain parts, like why can't you be a doctor? Why can't you be an engineer? It was very much like a genetically predisposed thing of this is what I'm going to be. And my dad knew that he was going to shift that DNA inside of me to be something Mm -hmm. else. He had to like put me in a different community. And this worked until I was in high school. And when I was in high school, like that's when I started realizing I was different. 
that's when Asians in the media are getting differently portrayed. I started really thinking about things and I started realizing, huh, when I met other Asian people, I don't really have a lot in common with you in terms of how our circles look. And it helps me empower other Asian people is that you don't have to live in a box. That's the great thing. Like we can spread the message of we got here to America from our parents for a reason, for a better opportunity. And that opportunity can be anything that you want. Mm -hmm. It seems like your parents are pretty supportive of like, just like whatever direction that you wanted to go in. Uh, My mom, my my mom, not really. I dropped out of college, dude. Um, But my mom was like, what in the hell are you doing, dude? Like she was clearly uncomfortable because my family is, especially my mom's side, very doctor oriented, society status oriented. And what, what comes from this is that I wanted to drop out of college because my company, Big Fish Presentation, the presentation company, I formed that while in college and I was taking off. Like during my sophomore year, man, I had like four full-time employees. And I was thinking wow. to myself, dude, I can't keep doing this. And so I go to my guidance counselor um, or my uh, student career counselor during the time. And she told me, and without even knowing the company that I owned, you seem like you'd be a great fit for this company. I just opened up in Baton Rouge. Uh, these do really cool presentations called Big Fish Presentations. You should apply for an internship there. And I told her I was the CEO and she gets up and I kid you not, Dom, she closes the door and says, are you serious? If you're telling me the truth, you need to leave tomorrow and focus on that. I'm not doing my job if I'm not helping you become successful. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, I always let LSU or like any university institution define my version of success for me. I realized like when I define my own version of success, now, my parents, not anyone else, is when I really grew. In that moment, she really encouraged me to define my own definition of success. All right, sweet. So uh, relating to this topic, it's just like, you know, you're someone that just like dropped out of, uh, dropped out of college. Obviously, you had something going for you already that seemed like it was going to take off. But um, if you had any advice to any young Asian kids that are, you know, close to graduating, uh, what type of advice would you give? I'll tell you this, you know, the VSA or any kind of Asian student organization is great but definitely explore other organizations. You know, when you're in an organization, even at the company, when you're at a company too long, you know, you're going to see like a certain perspective and you're going to think that's the only perspective. But then when you're like willing to go look at other perspectives, it's like this, if you and I were standing next to each other and we both look at this painting and we're like, what color is that? It's blue. We both say blue. You know, it's great. But then a second person or third person comes in and says, that looks obviously like teal or something. Me, my nature is to always say, Maybe I've been staring at this way too long. You know, join other organizations. You know, find ways to make your, yourself uncomfortable because from being uncomfortable comes growth. Like, why the hell would me being great at public speaking, why would I go jump into stand-up comedy? That's because I felt like I didn't feel as nervous anymore when I took the stage, even in front of, like, thousands of people. So I realized, like, I need to get back to the basics when I feel scared again. And that's when, like, I remember just taking the stage for the first time I was thinking, I haven't felt this terrified since I got fired from Pakistan, and I love it. How do you handle that? Um, I mean, I just know, like, even, like, professionals, once they get really good, like, they still get nervous. It's just, like, people know how to actually just, like, control the nerves a bit more. Would you say that's, like, pretty true for you, or? No, I'm, I'm nervous as hell, man. I'm scared as hell. But here's the thing, dude. I've always been able to, like, train my mind and my language. Now, with nervousness, I changed that to, I'm not nervous, I'm excited. Because I, instead of like, I have to do this, it's like, I get to do this. 
and it, it just really just changed. It's a weird mental tick, but it works for me. All right. Um, so actually I wanted to ask you, what is like the smallest thing for which you're grateful? You know, it's crazy, man. The moments that I really miss the most when they flee are the ordinary moments. So the things I'm grateful for the most are the ordinary moments in my life. For example, just this morning, my dog slept near my feet. I have a cute little corgi. I love him so much, little taco. And like, you know, my wife's next to me. And like, that's what I'm grateful for, man. I tell myself all the time, I need to stop chasing the only the extraordinary moments. I need to really love these ordinary moments because when I get really old, man, those are the things I'm going to remember the most, man. Yeah, no. Um, so another good one is, uh, what is one habit that you have that you have benefited the most from? I do a to-do list. I plan my week ahead of time. I've, do, I've been doing that since like 2011. I just having a to-do list. That seems very basic, but here's a, here's a different one though that people are usually surprised to hear that I do is that I journal every day. But the way that I journal is I actually take whatever I feel like could have been negative the previous day and I turn it into a funny twist, almost into a joke. But what happens is I'm able to train my mind to say like, man, that wasn't that bad. I could turn this into a funny situation. You know, I could tell that into a funny story. I tell it into a funny story. I can bring more happiness into other people. And that little habit, man, it's considerably changed my like outlook and my perception on life. Gotcha. And then, uh, and then on the flip side of that, what's the worst habit? Uh, overworking. Kind of like you, I bet, huh? Is oh, so, it like most entrepreneurs, especially in agencies, huh? Yeah. What What does your like day to days look like? A lot of my data is definitely focused on 368, the agency itself. So it could either be very much, you know, check in with my team, figure out what roadblocks they have and getting those roadblocks out of their way. It could be finding new business or really making sure that our team is going in the right direction, having someone that can hold the whole team accountable. Every day is different, but every day I see my people around me grow right in front of me. And that's, that's been everything to me, man. Mm-hmm. How, how, how big are you guys now? We're about 19 people. Okay, gotcha. So are you guys still thinking about continuing to like add on more people and grow or? I definitely want to grow. I don't want to grow fat. I want to grow tall. You know, we want to go in the right way. And that's what we're working on right now with our vision planning because we've been very fortunate in growing. We look hoping to double again this year in terms of revenue. But I think like when it comes to like this kind of rampant growth, now's the best time to really check yourself. You know, now's the time when you have all the momentum in the world. I think that's the most important thing in anyone's life is momentum. It's like, what kind of things you have momentum in and they're good things, keep it going. Because I think we tend to try to bring ourselves down and feel like, man, I shouldn't be feeling this happy for so long. And by finding ways to like keep that joy going, that's, that's what brings fulfillment, man. Gotcha. All right. This is a good one. Is, uh, what is the number, one thing to, the number one thing to do that you'd recommend everyone put on their bucket list? Dude, that silent retreat, man. Got to do it. The first 24 hours was so weird. The next 24 hours was really weird. And like after that, it was just sitting in silence. But I think the hardest thing anyone has, man, is being okay with being alone, just being in the company of yourself. Traveling alone is the best thing I can recommend anyone to do, especially if they do it in silence, because you can look just introspectively. And that's so important because we live in a world with so much noise I mean, you always have to be on your phone. If you're not on your phone for some reason when you're talking to a bunch of people, it looks weird. So I think anyone on their bucket list, take a trip alone. And if you can, do a silent retreat. It doesn't have to be anything religious, but what it could be is like a spiritual cleanse almost. 
I think I read somewhere that you've you've traveled like a decent amount. So did you like go on like some solo trips and stuff or anything that you can recommend? I've been to uh, San Francisco's Green Gulch, which is part of the Tessahara Network. It's a Buddhist monk temple. It's just really, really nice. And the place that you can stay, like I jumped in the kitchen team actually, but that's the only time you could really talk. That is what I definitely recommend anyone to do is go check out like a silent retreat somewhere. I, I went to the one in San Francisco called Green Gulch. You know, I, I just went to Guadalupe recently and like, I literally like, I was like planning to kind of like work sometimes just remotely, but the internet was so bad that literally I just had to just like not work. And it turned out just to be so relaxing. It's amazing, dude, what uh, we can do without a phone, man. Yeah. Enjoy life, right? Yeah, it's so nice. Yeah. Um, anyways, but just last couple of questions. Um, so what is something, you know, that's going to happen, but hasn't yet? I mean, my time at the agency. You know, it's like my time just doing the things I do now. I mean, I'm not leaving anytime soon, but like anytime I feel like compelled to do something and I know that like the team is ready to go to the next level without me, you know, I'm always been pretty real about that. And so for me, it's always been, uh, I'm always looking for places that I know with my unique skill set and the things I can bring, I'm going to go help them. I think it's like what makes it interesting is that, you know, I don't think about what's going to happen in the next 10 years. I think about what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes. So like the thing that hasn't happened is that I don't know, but that's what makes life really fun. I don't even know what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes, you know, but I can at least guarantee the next 10 minutes. Yeah. Nice. And then um, also like for all the listeners on here, like, is there, do you have a particular book, you know, just entrepreneurship or any, any of the things that, that you do pretty much that's been relevant for you? Yeah. I really recommend the, uh, the book, The Big Leap. That was really good by, by Gay Hendricks. Uh, I really like that book because it talks about like, you know, how do we minimize joy in our lives? And like, we have this human condition to like, when we're happy, we try to like cut it down because we feel guilty for being happy for so long. But then on top of that, uh, we also talk about, you know, how do you make more time in your life, which allows me, you know, doing everything I do. You know, I try to generate more time in my life. It talks in there like, what are the four limiting behaviors that all humans have? And the book helped me realize like, once I say these things out loud, the chains in my shoulders, they get dropped. It's a lot mm-hmm. lighter. Read the big leap. Really good book, man. And yeah, who, who's the author again? Uh, Gay Hendricks. Yeah, the big leap. Oh, oh, I, yeah. No, I know this book. I started reading it actually. I have it. <laughs> All right, and then uh, just any last parting words. I mean, how, how do people actually like get in touch with you? Follow you? Yeah, if you ever want to get in touch with me, just email me, Kenny K E N N Y dot N at three sixty eight dot com. That's three sixty eight spelled out. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, just look up Kenny Wynn. Cool. Any other last like parting words that you want to share with uh, any, any of the listeners? Best advice I can give to anyone. Um, I heard it when I was a kid. It's a quote by Steve Martin. Be so good they can't ignore you. No matter what color, sexuality, gender, whatever you may be, timeless principle is that if you're so good at what you do, the world can't ignore you. I mean, you'll, you'll make your impact on that no matter who you are. Best thing I can say to anybody. Right on. That's a great book too. His book is like amazing. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for all the time on. Dude, thanks for having me. I'm drinking champagne right now. They snuck in the room and threw and just gave me some champagne in my hand. You're like, it looks like you're missing this. Yeah. <laughs> all right, dude. Well, I'll let you uh, enjoy yeah. your week. Enjoy your champagne. Appreciate your time, John. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Why You Know Doctor podcast. If you want to check out some more of our content, you can follow us on social media with uh, the handle at WYND podcast. 
And also, if you just have any other feedback for myself, guest suggestions, or anything else that you want to tell me, you can reach out to me directly at dominic at whyyouknowdoctor.com. So until next time, stay tuned and thanks for listening.